Blog Talk Radio. to post time with Mike and Mike, Mike Carter, alongside of Mike Bozich. And Mike, I'll tell you what, the uh, the weather is a lot different in Cleveland this week than it was last week. Uh, 60 degrees yesterday, and we're down to 30 today. Well, that's it. still not too bad, though. Uh, you know, I mean, you're in early February, you're in the Midwest, so, you know, you have to expect the weather to be kind of bad. But uh, here in Chicago, it's actually been great. I mean, we've had one really cold day Sunday, and we're getting ready to wrap up this Hawthorne meet coming up uh, on Saturday. But uh, we really got lucky here in the Chicagoland area. The weather has been pretty darn good. Not much snow to speak of. So I got a plane heading back to Philly tonight. So after the ninth, it could snow as much as it wants to. Just let me get the heck out of here because, believe me, I know what Chicagoland winters can be like. But we've got a great show on tap for you today, Mike. A star-studded cast, if you will. Trainer Ron Burke will be joining us, of course. Uh, Ron Burke, the first harness trainer, threw in $100 million in purses, and uh, so he's rewritten some record books, and he's going to be joining us. And speaking of rewriting record books, we'll have driver Tim Tietrich, and it's hard to believe that Timmy's still in his mid-30s, because it just seems like Tim's been around forever. But uh, we'll talk to Tim uh, about some of his accomplishments as well on the program. But T.J. Burkett's going to join us, the United States Trotting Association's very own. He was in Paris. I don't know if he still is or not. We'll have to see. And uh, he's going to talk to us about uh, Bold Eagles, huge, huge win uh, in uh, the pre Amberique. And uh, we'll also talk to Brandon Valvo about the same thing. He'll uh, be joining us, Harness Racing America's very own. And it's the second of our four-part series with uh, Winnie Morgan Nemeth. We'll talk a little bit about new vocations. As a matter of fact, Mike, they have something uh, very special coming up. It's the New Vocations 18th Annual Stallion Auction. Uh, That's uh, February 8th, uh, and it will go until 2 p.m. February 12th, and you can participate in that auction if you, by logging on to OnGate.com. So uh, Winnie will talk to us a little bit more about that. But, yeah, Mike, it's a tremendous show coming up. 
Yeah, I'll tell you what, Mike, it's uh, put, putting this thing together was a lot of fun. Uh, we've gotten a lot of play this week, and we're really excited because the USTA has been fantastic uh, helping us uh, get some uh, what I call star-studded folks on uh, Ron Burke joining the program this week. And, of course, Allison Conti was nice enough to help get Ron Burke on. And uh, it's going to be a fun show, Mike. Yeah, it certainly will. Well, Mike, let's get to our first time out. When we come back, we'll talk to trainer Ron Burke. You've got post time with Mike and Mike. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is an industry support group focused on promoting harness racing in Maryland. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads works hand-in-hand with charities involving children and horses, such as the Harness Horse Youth Foundation. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is actively involved with organizations such as the Maryland Horse Council and the Maryland Horse Industry Board, working together to promote the horse industry in Maryland. Follow Friends of Maryland Standard Breads on Twitter and like them on Facebook. All right, we're back with Post Time with Mike and Mike. Certainly appreciate you joining us on this Thursday afternoon. Right now we're joined by trainer Ron Burke, the first harness trainer to earn $100 million in purses. Ron, you've, you're rewriting the record book, my friend. Welcome to the show. Uh, thank you very much for having me. Now, obviously, the first question is going to be, how in the world do you manage such a massive stable? Uh, just we have a lot of people that, you know, it's not just me, it's my whole family and a lot of people that we consider family that have been with us now for a long time. And obviously from reading some of the articles, I guess technology now would play a big part in it. I mean, you know, you've got, uh, you know, computers and, and cell phones, so it's probably a lot easier, I would imagine, to do something like this nowadays than, it, say, 15, 20 years ago. Yeah, I don't even think it could have been done 15, 20 years ago, just due to the entries, communicating, you know, the owners, the communicating with the trainers, the drivers. You know, it's a complete different world now, and it's only as as we were rising, the technology was rising, you know, the ability to watch races while you're on the move and things like that, you know, that's all just came in the last, you know, 10 years. Now, Ron, uh, you've got horses just about everywhere. Uh, I've seen a few of them out here at Northfield Park. Uh, you've got them in New Jersey, Pennsylvania. How, you know, do, do you have a lot of people that travel uh, with your horses to different places, or do you try to go to as many tracks as you can, you know, during the week? No, I, you know, in the summer I travel a lot more, and I, you know, I see a lot more. But in the winter, you know, I know where everybody is, and I know where we're going, and you know, I try to make sure that they understand what we're trying to accomplish. But you know, especially in the winter, it's a lot of people going a lot of different ways. Visiting with Ron Berg, trainer here on Post Time with Mike and Mike. Now, Ron, tell us a little bit about the formative years, the early days. And one of the things when I was doing a little bit of prep work for the show that I was reading, and of course it surprised me a little bit, was you were actually afraid of horses when you when you were first uh, kind of growing up and getting into it. Oh, I was petrified of them. Um, I grew up on a farm. You know, we had a car dealership and we had horses. We were, you know, my dad was a part-time trainer, like a hobby trainer and a an owner, and I uh, like when the horses would get loose or have to have anything done with them, I was scared to death. And as uh, then as we became, we did it, this is what we started to do for our living. Uh, there was a horse called Embassy Omega that uh, was a very bad horse, very bad behaved horse, and I found that I was able to take care of it, and most people weren't. And, you know, like anything, when you find that you can do something that other people can't, you, you feel pride and 
you know, and you start to feel like maybe this is what I'm, you know, meant to do. And being honest, it's the only job I've ever had. I've never worked for anybody else. You know, I worked for my father, and, you know, I've been in my barn, our barn, the whole time. I've never had another job. Now, was this something, when you were growing up, did you ever did you ever imagine that this thing would become so big and that you'd have this many head and be so successful? No, it's funny. Like, we would used to go to the sale, and I would see the big trainers there, and they would have their owners all following them around. And I thought, oh, my God, that is unbelievable. Look how great that would be. And it's funny, when you get there, then you're like, yeah, maybe the sale has gotten a little bit bigger than I thought, maybe, but... You know, never, you know, we we wanted to have a 20-horse stable, not a 300-horse stable, but it just, you know, kept going and going, and this is where we're at. Ron, we're going to get to your roster horses here in just a moment and talk about some of the movers and shakers in 2016. But first, you forged a relationship with a guy that is uh, pretty much predominantly driven your horses and, and Yannick Shingra. Talk a little bit about that relationship and how that came about. Well, basically, Yannick and us both showed up at the Meadowlands at the same time, and we both, you know, were probably, he was looking for drives, and we were looking for a driver. I mean, I had used Brian Sears, but Brian was in, uh, you know, every race people wanted him. He was in great demand, and, uh, you know, I kept putting Brian down, and then I'd use Yannick when I couldn't get Brian, and and just slowly but surely, you know, one day I looked around and, you know, there was no more Brian and Yannick was driving almost every horse. So, you know, we seem to fit each other. We're both aggressive. We're aggressive people. We, you know, we like to race aggressively. And uh, so our personalities do fit most of the time. So it's been a good, I think, for, for both of us. It's, you know, it's furthered his career and it's furthered my career at the same time. Now, Ron, uh, obviously, foiled again has been uh, is probably one of the greatest pacers of all time. Uh, how has he been in the off season, and uh, what's looking forward to him for 2016? Uh, you know, hopefully this year we'll just get off to a much better start than last year. Last year, you know, he blew the Levy with you know being entrapped, and the Levy is the you know really the basically the motor for his whole year. You know, you need to get a good start with him. It's a track that he does great at. It's a track that fits him perfectly. And, you know, last year we came out of there, we didn't even race in it. And uh, so it really started his year off bad. And then, there, you know, there were highlights and there were lowlights his year went. But as the overall year, he still was all right. But, like, I'd really love to have, like, a comeback year this year and actually just better at 12 than he did at 11 and quieted the people that, you know, say that he should be retired because, you know, while he may not be the number one horse anymore, he's not out of the top ten. What are, what else are we looking forward to in 2016? Obviously, you got a stable uh, of great horses. Who do you think some of the movers and shakers and the superstars are going to be here in 2016 in your barn? I mean, obviously, Southwind Frank is you know our you know second best shot now to the Hamiltonian since Mission Brief. You know, and he had a great two-year-old year, and so we're excited you know to bring him back and you know take another run at the Hamiltonian. And, you know, Mission Brief is coming back this year, so, you know, it's another chance for me to prove that I think she's the best horse I've ever sat behind, and I think she'll do things that other horses haven't done. So, you know, those are two that always popped my mind. But, you know, there's so many – we have so many horses and so many great horses that we've been entrusted to race. And, uh, you know, they're, the babies are the best. I have 68 babies this year, which is by far the most I've ever had, so – you know, I'm excited. There has to be, you know, a good one in that group. I I would almost think for sure, not we're in big trouble. 
I'm going to throw you a little bit of a curveball, Ron, because uh, as you probably know, I've been filling in for Pete Galassi here at Hawthorne over the past month. And uh, you sent the horse here by the name of Ontario Success. And, and uh, you know, he's he's been handling the open horses here, uh, doing well. I think he's got three wins in a second. And, uh, you know, he's obviously seemed to take into this track and this this long stretch and and my goodness it's long i gotta tell you when i first got to the announcer's booth there and i looked down i'm like what the heck that stretch like is on the top of the stretch seems like it's in iowa can you talk we've got a lot of chicago listeners over the last couple weeks can you maybe tell uh our illinois listeners uh, who've been watching ontario success maybe a little bit about this horse yeah, that was the idea when we sent him there. The horse is so good in the straightaways. And in the turns, he's all right, but he's not near as good as he is in the straightaways. And, uh, you know, at the Meadowlands, it's hard to get in. The top horses aren't getting in anymore, and especially I have multiple ones, and they're not going to let me race three or four. So we were going to send a few, and then we really could only come up with him. And more to the trainer that we were going to use there, Roger Welch, didn't seem like he had a room for a lot, so we just sent the one. And it's worked out great. Uh, last year was the first year I ever went to Chicago myself. I, you know, I went to uh, Balmoral, and uh, I really liked it. Like, uh, and I, you know, I hope that we don't lose Illinois. It's a, you know, been a great place for people to race. You know, we've done great in the American National, and uh, you know, I think there is positive with Hawthorne. Like the people that you know run it, everybody seems to have good things to say about them. And I, you know, I thought the first meet. It went all right, especially when you know it's only going to be a five-week meet. So we're excited, you know, and uh, we're hoping that, like, we'll be able to race there when it comes back open, that, you know, we race in Hoosier and uh, that's not a far ship and that we can ship over there and race, you know, straight through that whole second meet. Now, Ron, uh, there's a horse in on Monday here at Northfield that I wanted to ask you about. Uh, Stonehouse Adam has been racing fantastic at Meadows uh, and is coming in against open horses this week. Gets a little bit of a tough post, but what do you make of this uh, this gelding? You know, two years ago he would have been one to five in this group, and uh, he had a you know a bad year last year where he had soundness issues and we really couldn't figure it out why. And uh, being honest, like don't understand why now he seems sounder. He seemed to be rounding back in the form, and Joe's been wonderful over there. Like. Even more than I thought he would do starting out there, the, the kid's a very good driver. He's a, aggressive, and and I think, you know, you're going to see that he's, you know, another kid that's going to rise up and, you know, join the ranks of the top guys in the country. But it's just he needed more drives, and there was no place that I thought he would get better chance to get drives than Northfield. They, they seem them people seem to give young guys a chance, and uh, it's worked out great for him and for us so far. Ron Burke joining us on Post Time with Mike and Mike. One final question for you, Ron. What's left for Ron Burke and the Ron Burke Stables to conquer? Uh, you know, for sure, win the Hamiltonian. I mean, we haven't done that. You know, we came close last year. You know, and I'd like to win the Meadowlands Pace. And, and for my owners, you know, every year it's the Addy. For everything, we just want to put a good product out there and, uh, you know, continue to keep winning like we do and, you know, and, just enjoy it. It's like, it's a great sport. It's better than working for a living. And, uh, you know, I love it every day when I go to the barn. So I'm never upset, you know, to go to work. So hopefully just enjoy it and keep winning. Ron, we certainly appreciate you joining us on the program and much success to you in 2016. We're looking forward to some of the superstars. Okay. Thank you very much, guys. All right, have a good one. That was uh, Ron Burke joining us live on the program post time with Mike and Mike and and uh, Mike. It uh, doesn't look like Ron Burke's uh, slowing down at all, does it? 
Not at all. 68 babies. I know that's got to be a lot of work for him. And I'll tell you, Mike, he, he sends a lot of horses, you know, from the meadows to here to New Jersey. I mean, they're, they're just all over the place. And uh, I give him a lot of credit. He does work very hard. And uh, you know what? He's reaping the rewards of that hard work, though. Well, certainly no question about it. Well, we'll take a time out. When we come back, we're going to go from one superstar to another as this star-studded episode of Post Time with Mike and Mike continues. We've got Tim Tietrich joining the program. You've got Post Time with Mike and Mike. We'll be right back. Did you know a MagnaWave treatment can relieve pain, reduce inflammation, improve movement, and increase blood oxygen? Call Maria Ringler, a certified MagnaWave practitioner, at 302-922-0917 to schedule your appointment today at your own barn. Like our Facebook page, The Essential Touch LLC, and check out our website, TheEssentialTouchLLC.com. Catch the wave. Post time with Mike and Mike would like to invite you to join us in positively promoting the sport of harness racing. Our advertising rates are extremely reasonable, and if you sign up for a one-month sponsorship package now, you get one week free. free. That's right, one week free. free. For more information on how you can sponsor Post Time with Mike and Mike, please email us at ptmikeandmike at yahoo.com. Also, follow us on social media, on Facebook, Post Time with Mike and Mike, also on Twitter at ptmikeandmike1. We're back on post time with Mike and Mike, Mike Bozich and Mike Carter. Tim Tietrich's coming up a little bit uh, in just a couple of minutes. He'll be talking to uh, us about uh, his driving career and, and uh, you know, some of the things that he's accomplished. We also have T.J. Burkett coming up on the program as well, and he's going to tell us about Paris in the pre diamerique and uh, what went on over there. Plus, we'll also talk to Brandon Valvo and maybe get a little bit of a different take. Brandon, of course, is our international correspondent, does great work with Harness Racing America, and uh, it's also going to be our second of our four-part series with Winnie Morgan Nemeth about new vocations. And one of the things, uh, Mike, that she is going to tell us about is uh, she's going to tell us about the 18th Annual Stallion Auction coming up February 8th until February 12th. You can participate at OnGate.com, and we uh, will have her on the show a little bit later on to uh, speak about that, my friend. Yeah, I'm excited to hear about the uh, that sale because, you know what, breeding, you know, that's what pretty much the sport is all about, and uh, it, it's going to be uh, exciting to hear what she has to talk about. Well, like Mike said, coming up next is Tim Tietrich, and I'll tell you, this is an interview I have been excited for all week. Uh, Tim has already made $369,000 this year, Mike, and I'll tell you what, he uh, he seems to be doing better and better every year, and I really enjoy uh, talking with him. I talked with him at the Jug last year, and uh, he's just an all-around great guy. Well, I think it's time to bring him on. Let's bring on uh, my good friend Tim Teacher. Now, Tim, i got to tell you, you're in your mid-30s, and I was telling Mike a little bit when we were introducing the show and introducing the guests, it seems like you've been around forever, man. Yeah, I'm a veteran already, I guess. I've been uh, driving horses for quite a while, and, you know, I've been in the sport all my life. My dad and my mom did it, and both my brothers are in it. It's, uh, you know, I've been doing it before I could walk. Well, get us, take us back to the early days. I mean, we, you know, you, you're in the family and, and obviously a family of uh, racing, but w- when did you start driving, your first drive, all, all the stuff that happened in the formative years of, of Tim Tietrich? 
You know, I started at the county fairs, you know, start at the bottom. Um, you know, I would go to the racetrack Paramount Park in Chicago with some with my dad to, you know, help work with the horses. But then uh, when I turned 16, I started driving at the county fairs. And, you know, I did drive a few amateur races at 14 and 15, but there wasn't too many of those. But, uh, you know, I graduated from the fairs and went on to Fairmont Park and then raced at Hoosier, Lexington, all the way through the Midwest. And, you know, I, you know, I got to drive a lot of horses really quick. So, you know, and, you know, people supported me and I had uh, some talent. So they let me drive a few horses. Now, Tim, I remember your dad, uh, Tom Tietrich, at Colonial Downs back in my uh, young filling-in days. And uh, you, you got to drive uh, what, one horse at Colonial, didn't you? Yep, yep, I've drove some down there, yep. What was that experience like for you, the uh, the one-turn mile versus the uh, the two-turn mile or the four-turn mile? You know, it was different. You know, the chute was more weird, was weirder to me than anything, getting out of that chute. And when you got out of the chute, when you had to get back on the main track, there was a hump there. So you kind of had to be careful with that, you know. Where, but, uh, you know, at the big turn, you you know, it didn't really matter about being parked and where you sat. And, you know, you didn't have to save a lot of ground because it was just uh, one big turn. Visiting with Tim Tietrich, uh, the youngest driver to reach uh, the 8,000 win plateau. Now, Tim, right now I'm standing in the booth at Hawthorne Racecourse, and of course you you know Hawthorne very well in Balmoral and Maywood oh, yes. and in in Chicago racing, and of course Trace was here uh, just yesterday, had a, a big win in one of the late closing finals here. Talk a little bit about uh, you know some of your days in the in the Chicago racing. I think at Balmoral Park you were leading driver in, in the 2000s uh, a couple of times, weren't you? Yeah, Balmoral and Maywood both. Um, you know, I kind of cut my teeth there. And, you know, when I first moved to Chicago, it was as tough as a place you could be. It was probably second to the Meadowlands. And, you know, there were some great ones there. Dave McGee, Tony Morgan, you know, uh, Sam Winterdale, Heitman. There's a lot of good names coming out of there. Andy Miller is a very tough circuit. You know, I got in there and, you know, I did really well. And then, uh, you know, and a couple guys left to go to the East Coast. And I uh, really took off there. You know, the last four or five years I was in Chicago, I was top or leading driver at all the tracks. Moving on in, in your career, um, in 2008, you had uh, hip replacement surgery. Now, talk a little bit about, you know, the rehab and some of the things you had to go through to bring yourself back after that particular surgery. In 2008, that surgery, I was in a lot of pain all through 07, 08. Finally, I just had to break down and do it. I took two months off the last two months and of, in November there to that year, and uh, I just had to do it. I was in so much pain, and you know, I was actually back really quick. I was back racing in 37 days. So, you know, wasn't much rehab. My doctor was really cool, and he said, you're probably not going to go rehab. I said, probably not. He said, well, just go to the barn and clean stalls and do your everyday thing, you know. So there really wasn't too much rehab that was, that was involved, involved no, with that? Then. No, there really wasn't. Mainly just walk. You know, he said, get up and walk. Don't lift nothing heavy. Just, you know, don't be stupid. And you know, I rehabbed myself, and, you know, I went to the barn and cleaned stalls, and I didn't dump the wheelbarrows for a couple of weeks, but, uh, you know, worked around the barn and stuff like that and rehabbed myself. Now, Tim, uh, what's looking forward in 2016? Obviously, you drove some great horses last year. Uh, Wakazashi Hanover, obviously being one of the highlights in the Pepsi North America Cup. What is 2016 looking like for you? Well, I've got some real uh, potential. You know, hopefully Wakasashi comes back as a four-year-old, which is always a tough year for those four-year-olds. But, you know, he had a great campaign at three. Um, you know, he, he got to beat some really good horses, and, you know, he's a great horse. Um, I got some two-year-old Boston Red Rocks. He really finished the year off really strong. And I got a filly, Newborn Sassy, that I've driven. That I think she won her last eight races there as a two-year-old. 
with a Matron of 52, and I really like her. I think she's got a you know big shot to compete on the big leagues. Now, Tim, last year you had a chance to represent the United States in the uh, World Driving Championships down in Australia. I believe you finished third in that event. Can you tell us about that experience a little bit? That, it was a wonderful time for me. You know, I always kind of didn't ever think I would go to one of those things because it's always in the midsummer, but I'm so glad I got to go to it, and I got to meet some wonderful people and, you know, friends for life. You know, and I got to travel through Australia and, you know, got to meet some really good people and good acquaintances, and, you know, it was just a great time. Now, of course, obviously, you've met a lot of different, uh, or you drove against, I should say, uh, you know, a lot of different drivers from a lot of different parts of the world. Is there Was there a difference of driving styles that you kind of had to adjust to in a short amount of time? You know, every 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 place you go has got different tendencies. Even if you go to, uh, you know, even Medellin's the Yonkers, it's different, you know, different style of racing. But over there, you know, you have a lot of, uh, you know, 10, 12-horse fields, but you know, the one track I went to, Wagga Wagga, it was uh, five and five, five on the gate, five trailer. You know, that, that's a little bit different. It was, it was a half-mile track. It was pretty tight, you know, racing a mile and a half, mile and three-eighths. And with ten horses on a five-wide track, pretty tight, you know, with trailers. And, you know, in Australia, they pretty much race in jog carts, which uh, our bikes are a lot closer to the horse. And over there, they got a lot longer bikes. So it's a little bit different. Now, Tim, uh, you know, you, you really enjoyed racing overseas. How do you prepare for those type of races? Obviously, you know, like you said, you know, five and five can be a little different, especially going a mile and a half, a mile and three-eighths. Do, do you have to prepare yourself mentally for those kind of races as to when you make your move? Um, You know, I've always just kind of gone by feel, try to drive my horse as best I can. You know, the the main thing over there that you don't have is the, the knowledge of what those horses can do. Um, their programs don't give you charted lines. It's just uh, you're driving horse number three in the fifth race and where he finished last week. So it doesn't give you much to go on. Um, so you just got to kind of listen to the trainers and people that are with you and around you helping you trying to know the horses. And, you know, just feel them. If they're really aggressive, you go early. And if they're not, you just step back and hopefully they, uh, you know, they perform well. Driver Tim Tietrich joining us here on Post Time with Mike and Mike. Now, Tim, we talked about bikes. You talked about driving in the jog carts overseas. Um, and certainly the technology of race bikes over the last 10, 15, 20 years is just, you know, catapulting straight through the roof. And I know that a lot of gamblers um, ask me, um, as far as technology of bikes go, and I remember when the UFO first came out, it seemed like that was an angle for a lot of different people because not all drivers had them when they first came out. And do you, how much do you attribute to uh, horses' successes, and especially how the speed of the game is, is uh, you know, improved? Now we're going fifty, forty-nine. It's nothing to see those kind of miles anymore. Do you think the technology of the bikes have, have had that big of a difference? I think it's all the above. You know, the definitely if you don't, if you put a billy goat between the shafts, you're not going to win a horse race. You know, so, but if you take an even bunched horses that are all, nine number in wood shaft bikes, and I have the UFO, I'll take the UFO on a horse that's second slower. You know, it's just the UFO or those the new speed bikes have just changed the game. You know, the horses uh, it's more aerodynamic. You're underneath them more, and it tracks better, and it doesn't wiggle and you know, the wheels are better and better. they got ceramic hubs, ceramic uh, bearings, and, you know, all the drivers, you know, are up to date on their wheels. And, you know, I'm changing bearings every three weeks, two weeks. Every time it rains, I put new bearings in. You know, so you keep the bikes up and ready to go. 
All right, let's get away from racing for a minute. I know you're a busy guy. You're racing all over the place and doing the day-night thing and for a lot of the year. What do you like to do away from the racetrack? You got any hobbies? You watch any sports or anything? Or? <laughs> you know, I like sports, all competitive sports. I always root for the underdogs. Um, you know, I love watching professional sports. I love college basketball. You know, I love hanging out with the family. You know, I like trail riding horses. And, you know, for me, the last five, six years, it's hard for me to do anything besides concentrate on racing. You know, it's hard to get away and hard to leave for three, four days, and you still got to keep your work. You know, you keep your clients happy, and you know, I just when I get a day off, I kind of like just sit around and do nothing, mow my grass. <laughs> Teatrickracing dot com. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? I was visiting that website, a very, very fun website to visit, by the way, very interactive. And I know you, you guys even have like gear that that uh, you guys sometimes give away, and you could purchase and all that. Tell us a little bit about the website. You know, it's just something we try to do, and I always felt anything that myself or my family could do to help promote our business, we need to try it, whether we do it ourselves or we get the tracks to do it. You know, sometimes that's hard to get the tracks to always promote us. So it's just a little thing that we did. We put it together, my wife and, uh, you know, Ash has done a great job with the website. and You know, it's pretty cool. I know we had a lot of feedback from it. You know, they can follow my day-to-day things and where I'm going to race. You know, like you said, you can get gear on their hats, coats, and shirts, and you know, it's just something to have a little fun with. All right. Well, Tim, listen, we certainly appreciate you uh, joining us on this program. And, uh, you know, it's, a, it's certainly a, an enlightening experience. And like I say, I mean, for all you racing fans out there, visit com. It's a fun website. You learn a lot about that. Tim and Mike, did you have something else you want to throw in? Yeah, I think we've got a uh, I think we've got a Tim Tietrick bobblehead uh, that we want to give away. And for those of you uh, listening to the show, uh, I've got a little bit of a trivia question, not necessarily for Tim. I think Tim knows uh going to know the answer to this one. But the question So Tim is don't be, answer it. <laughs> yeah, don't answer it. The 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 uh question is going to be how many wins is Tim Teacher away from 9000? And uh it's actually a fairly easy question, but uh we want to give away a a Tim Teacher bobblehead that was donated by our sponsor friend of Maryland Standard well, that's fantastic. So if you're the first to email, so you want to do it that way, Mike? Let's. How about that? The first to email us at ptmikeandmikeyahoo.com with that correct answer, we'll send you a Tim Tietrick bobblehead. Tim, listen, we really appreciate you joining us, my friend. Best of luck in 2016, and uh, we'll be watching you win a lot of races, I'm sure. Thank you guys very much, and appreciate you having me on the show. All right, that was uh, Tim Tietrich, uh, just an outstanding driver. And like I say, it's still, Mike, it's still amazing to me that the guy is only in his mid-30s. I mean, it seems like he's been around forever, you know, I mean, just driving all kind of different places and, and winning all kind of races and going through the hip surgery and, and uh, you know, just a fantastic driver and, and, quite frankly, Mike, a fantastic ambassador for the sport. Yeah, definitely. The whole family is. I get to deal a lot with Tom at Colonial Downs, and I'll tell you, that whole family is just a uh, fantastic asset to the sport. All right. Well, let's take a time out. When we come back, we're going to add a little bit of international flavor to this program. T.J. Burkett will be joining us uh, to talk a little bit about the pre Amarique and the uh, terrific racing action that we saw there. So when we come back, T.J. will join us. You've got Post Time with Mike and Mike. This week on the Trotcast with Ryan Macedonio. I got in my car, drove down the parkway, went to Jason Bartlett's house. His wife made us some wicked awesome chowder. He's Yonkers' leading driver. Listen to this episode on SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, iHeartRadio, iTunes, 
the hottest racing fan zone, or the hottest racing fan zone app. Post time with Mike and Mike would like to invite you to join us in positively promoting the sport of harness racing. Our advertising rates are extremely reasonable, and if you sign up for a one-month sponsorship package now, you get one week free. free. That's right, one week free. free. For more information on how you can sponsor Post Time with Mike and Mike, please email us at ptmikeandmike at yahoo.com. Also, follow us on social media on Facebook, Post Time with Mike and Mike. Also on Twitter at ptmikeandmike1. Welcome back to Post Time with Mike and Mike. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich. And Mike, I'll tell you, one of our sponsors, Essential Touch, is doing a fantastic thing for our listeners. If you mention that you heard her ad right here on Post Time with Mike and Mike, you get 20% off. I can't think of an easier way to save a couple of dollars. Well, you know, Mike, I was always raised to uh, – the way I was brought up was whenever you have an opportunity to put some money in your pocket and keep some money in your pocket, you do it. So this is one of those golden opportunities. All you have to do is go in there and say, listen, I heard this on Post Time with Mike and Mike, and boom, you save 20%. Comes off your bill right off the top. It doesn't get any easier than that, my friend. Well, Mike, this is an interview I've been waiting for all afternoon. Uh, T.J. Burkett went to the pre-damp Amerique, and T.J., the experience had to be one for a lifetime, correct? Oh, you got that right, Mike. Uh, first, I want to say thanks for having, on, having me on. It's an excellent program. I'm glad you guys are doing it. But, uh, yeah, it was a once-in-a-lifetime trip, and I feel blessed to be able to see a world-class city and, and call it work at the same time. Well, tell us a little more about Paris, DJ. I mean, what, how, is that, how is that situation like? Is that the first time you were over there? Yeah, it was the first time for uh, my wife and I. We were part of the Equitours group. Uh, it's a Swedish group that has tours to uh, the Elite Lop and the Prix de Marique, and they also bring Swedish people over here for Lexington and the Hamiltonian. And uh, they we just did a fantastic job. We get on, got into Paris on Thursday morning with a horrible case of jet lag, by the way. But uh, in the afternoon, we uh, there was there were three Americans actually. It was me and my wife, and then uh, John Burke, who was he was the winner of the SRS promotional giveaway of a trip to the Prix de Marique, and we got a, a great tour uh, given by Equitours. They put us in a van and they took us all over the city, so that was a fantastic time. We got to see all the landmarks: the Eiffel Tower, the Arc de Triomphe, the Pantheon, the Champs Elysees. Everything we got to see that day, and then. Uh, Friday was ours, where we went. My wife and I went to all the museums, and I won't bore you with that stuff because I want to talk about racing. But then on Saturday morning, we went to Grobois Training Center, and it was uh, the three of us and about 50 Swedes. So uh, we stopped out at the barn of Stefan Peterson, and he was the trainer of Oasis By, and got to talk to him. Fortunately, I don't know how much of that. I didn't get much out of that because that was all in Swedish. But then when we stopped over at the barn of Pierre Vercruce, he is the driver of Oasis By. That was in English, and he told us that they thought they had a pretty good chance, but uh, Bold Eagle and Smoko, they were probably going to be too much to beat, and, boy, they sure proved that on Sunday. Now, TJ, uh, what was Vincennes like? I know a lot of the, uh, you know, some people who haven't, you know, seen, didn't get to see the race or may not have seen, like, you know, how the Swedish race or the French race 
they're not used to the track layout. Was it a different type of layout than we're used to seeing over here? You know, I saw the the schematic of the track, and it, it sure looks really pretty goofy. They got the the chute, and then they've got the inner the outer track and the inner track. And I knew going into the race that they go up a hill and then down the hill coming around the turn. But you know, you're looking at it from the grandstand, and I really couldn't see that uh, track layout. It just looks like they they went around for for a lap, and and the race was over. But uh, as far as the atmosphere, it it differed so much from the U.S. and that when we were walking through the grandstand, it seems like every horse had its own fan club. I mean, there were groups, and they were all decked out in, in costumes, and they were waving flags, and they, they were real nationalistic. I mean, there was they were cheering on the horse from their country, you know. Uh, you got you got the French, they were, they were going for Bold Eagle, and then you got the the Italians, they were, they were cheering for their, for their horses too. And, uh, it's something I like to see over here. I'd like to see people really get behind those horses and, uh, also get behind the drivers. Now this wasn't anything like a, like one of those college rivalries or anything where if you, you know, if you're like, say for example, Alabama, Auburn, and if you're an Alabama fan, you accidentally end up in the Auburn side, you might not make it out of there. This was, this was all <laughs> friendly, right? <laughs> yeah. I didn't see any shoving matches. You know, I know all about that being living here Columbus, Ohio, and between Ohio State and Michigan, and me going to Michigan State, I know there's a pretty intense rivalry there. But I did not see that when I was in the grandstands. I mean, folks are passionate and excited, but they're also polite. What about the difference in racing styles uh, over there as opposed to over here? And, I mean, we talked to Tim a little bit, you know, about overseas racing and, I mean, how just, I mean, just like five and five, you know, five trailers and the track's not so wide. And, and uh, you know, a lot of these guys uh, overseas, they don't mind racing wide the whole mile. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that, how the kind of the racing style was over there? Was there a big difference than what you see over here? Well, I want to tell everybody who hasn't seen the replay of the Freedom Rake to, to watch the start, first of all. I mean, I, you've never seen anything like it. 18 horses, they're milling around in the chute. Suddenly they turn around and off they go. And it's it's something to behold, that's for sure. And then in the race itself, I mean, they're always moving. I mean, I must have seen in the pre Marie, there must have been at least four or five lead changes. I mean, every time you turn around, another horse is coming on, whether it was Oasis by and then Tomoko, and then Bold Eagle took the lead about halfway through. And then as he's taking the lead, there's horses three wide coming at him. And so, was, so we're not back. We're not back. In the, we're, we're not going to get on the lead and back this second quarter down to 32 seconds or anything like that. <laughs> There's nobody backing anything down, that's for sure. They're they're going forward all the time, and it was it was a pleasure to see. Now, TJ, uh, let let's dive into the race a little bit. Uh, Tomoku obviously went right to the lead, but how good was Bold Eagle? I mean, he looked impressive on. Uh, I was watching on my phone at Northfield Park, and uh, I, I'll tell you, he looked impressive there. But in person, how impressive did he look? I'm in person when he got to the lead. He, we were, I was just talking to, to Mike about that. He got to the lead and it was almost like he was backing him down because Tomoko was on his helmet and you could see Tomoko, he wanted to go forward, but he was locked in on the back stretch. And I watched the replay seven or eight times of waiting for the press conference and it just looked like Tomoko wanted to get out, wanted to get out. And then, sure enough, the three horses in the lead at the top of the stretch pulled away. And Tomoko had had the chance. I mean, he had a, a good enough trip to be able to get by Bold Eagle, and he just couldn't pull it off. 
Now, I was most impressed by Oasis by actually, who was locked in. He got to the lead first, but then he was locked in fourth or fifth on the rail. And however he got out, it was amazing because he did, and he came on strong at the end to get third. Well, you know, TJ, it didn't take too long to, for uh, Moira Fanning to get that invitation ready and sent out to uh, Bold Eagle. Uh, is of course uh, he's been invited to the uh, Breeders' Crown. Is that how, how are the chances? What do you think? Do you think we'll see this great horse uh, coming over here to the states to race? Boy, I don't know. I uh, unfortunately didn't get much of a chance to talk to the connections at the race. I uh, was at the press conference to talk to the owner, and then the bus was leaving, so I had to get back to Paris. But uh, you know, you'd love to see him over here. He's uh, he's uh, five years old, I believe, and uh, you want to you want to see the source coming, and I, that's why Moira went over there and to to make sure to extend an invitation and get the top European horses over here, and then. We have to reciprocate with our horses as well and send them over to Europe. Now, TJ, um, I know, and I'm going to use a thoroughbred comparison for a second. Uh, at the Dubai World Cup, which is one of the biggest thoroughbred races in the world, they aren't allowed to wager. Uh, it's actually illegal in Dubai. How does the wagering work in uh, Paris or in Argentina? <laughs> well, they wager a ton of money, but uh, honestly, I don't know how they do it. I mean, you know, t- I would. I'm saying the same thing that Timmy was saying in the earlier segment in that they handed me the program at uh, Vincennes, and there's just no information here in this program either. All I've got is the horse and the driver and the breeding, and it's what it it's uh, first, seconds, and thirds. And so I had to do the best I could to, to bet a couple of races. Uh, the, the angle I ended up playing was on the TV. They would show the morning line and then they show the current odds. And so I was just trying to find a horse that had a reasonable morning line, and that was an overlay in its current odds. Now, that did work for me at one point. In the first race, I bet, in the second race, the Prix de Montreal, I saw a horse that was 6.4 in the morning line and was going off at 8.1. And so I went to the machine and uh, tried to bet it to win, but uh, I must have hit the wrong button or didn't know my French well enough because I came back to the table and saw that I bet it to Place instead of Gagne. So Place, is the, it pays if it gets second or third. Well, sure enough, the horse goes off and wins by a length and a half, and I, I'm sitting there holding a, a show ticket instead of a win ticket. So that, that one really hurt me. That's beautiful. You know that happens. That happens in the states too. That's you know, you, you go right. there and make the wrong wager. But you know, one of the things, and, and this was, uh, by the way, we're visiting with T.J. Burkett and uh, talking a little bit about uh, the racing action uh, over in uh, Paris. And this was the first of three legs of their Triple Crown. And one of the things that they do overseas is uh, consistently race over different distances. And that's something that's been tried to a limited extent here in the States, not so much. TJ, do you ever see uh, in the future in the United States of America different distance racing ever catching on? You know, I'd, I'd love to see it. Uh, when we were talking with Pierre Vercruz at Grosbois, he was saying that in French racing, they're always racing over different distances. Some races are on the dirt. Some races are on the turf. Some races are Monte races, you know, so there's a hell of a lot more opportunities for horses that might not cut it at at the mile or the mile equivalent, and then they can do something else. And their trainers are always switching up the way horses are being trained. 
So I think that's the biggest roadblock here for the for the U.S. because when we try to switch distances, it really disrupts the routine that the trainers have set forth. And uh, for some of them, they just they don't want to have to to make those adjustments in order to race at a different distance. So I'm hopeful that it happens. I think it's good for racing that it would happen, but let's see it happen. One last question for you, TJ. Now, Bold Eagle actually stood stud last year, actually has a full book, I believe. Um, And that is something that is, once again, that goes on overseas quite a bit, where they continue to race afterwards. Um, But that is something that has happened here to a limited extent. Now, is this something, do you think, that uh, can catch on in the States as well? You know, uh, I tried that experiment with Wishing Stone. What was it? last year or the year before where he was going to breed and then he was going to race. And he just wasn't at the top tier as a racehorse. I think if he would have really excelled as a racehorse after breeding, I think it would have caught on a lot more than it, than it did. So, again, that's another thing that I'd like to see here in the States because I, as a racing fan and a handicapper, I want to see those older horses on the track. But I think it, you're going to have to have a top horse prove actually breed and race in the same year and then prove that they can excel breeding and racing in the same year in order for it to catch on here in the States. Now, TJ, uh, we certainly appreciate you taking time out of your uh, busy day. I know that uh, you just got back on Monday, correct? Yeah, that's right. So uh, we we really appreciate you taking time out to join us. Uh, For me, this was my my most look forward to interview because I know you went over there and – I know you had a lot of fun, and I've seen some of your pictures, TJ. It looked like you guys had a blast. Yeah, I can't say enough how well that the uh, Equitours tour was for, for my wife and I. We had a great time. So if you're interested in going to the Elite Lop or the Freedom Rink, check them out at equitours.se. And uh, also, I'm busy working on my feature story for the March issue of Hoofbeats, all about my experiences there in Paris, too. So make sure to check that out. But uh, it was a once-in-a-lifetime trip, and I'm so grateful that I got a chance to go. Well, TJ, we certainly appreciate you taking time out today. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. That was TJ All right. Burkett. That was TJ Burkett, Mike. And uh, I'll tell you, very, very interesting. Uh, I always find it fascinating when we talk about the international racing, Mike, of just things like different distances, things of like racing on the turf, racing off the turf, the different equipment. Like Tim uh, Tietrich said in the earlier interview, in Australia they race with jog carts. Just so many differences. And, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I think that, you know, the U.S. might be able to adopt some of those, and uh, they could be good for the sport here, Mike. Yeah, man, I'm telling you. The Meadowlands did the one race over the turf, and granted, you know, the, the, the starting car hit a little bit of a bump. But I'll tell you, it was a lot of fun to watch. You know, Chris Ryder come flying from off the pace to win, uh, and that was uh, that that was a lot of fun to see. And so I, you know, I'm all for meet, you know, different distances. I'm all for different surfaces. It's just a matter of trying it out. Yeah, certainly. Well, we've got a commercial break to take. When we come back, we're uh, going to hear from Winnie Morgan Nemeth from New Vacations. This will be the second of our four-part series with her. She'll talk a little bit about the stallion auction that, sh- that the New Vocations has coming up uh, on uh, ongate.com. She'll talk more about that. We certainly appreciate you joining us. Plus, we've got Brandon Valbo coming up. He'll uh, talk a little bit more about the Bold Eagle and uh, his win uh, overseas. You've got post time with Mike and Mike. Stick around. Did you know a MagnaWave treatment can relieve pain, reduce inflammation, improve movement, and increase blood oxygen? 
Call Maria Ringler, a certified Magnum Wave practitioner at 302-922-0917 to schedule your appointment today at your own barn. Like our Facebook page, Essential Touch LLC. Check out our website, TheEssentialTouchLLC.com. Catch the wave! Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is an industry support group focused on promoting harness racing in Maryland. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads works hand-in-hand with charities involving children and horses, such as the Harness Horse Youth Foundation. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is actively involved with organizations such as the Maryland Horse Council and the Maryland Horse Industry Board, working together to promote the horse industry in Maryland. Follow Friends of Maryland Standard Breads on Twitter and like them on Facebook. Whitney Morgan Nemeth. I'm the Standard Bread Program Director for New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program, and we take retired uh, racehorses when they're done racing um, and place them into new homes. We focus on retraining them and then rehoming them so that they have another skill and can go on and do something in their second career. Uh, we have some real exciting things coming up. Our, our largest fundraiser is getting ready to start on February 8th. We offer our annual stallion service sale. We will have breedings available starting February 8th via ongate.com where you can bid on the seasons. That will go through February 12th. We have over 85 um, stallions donated to our 18th annual stallion auction. We have breedings to Donato Hanover, Muscles Yankee, Well Said, Conway Hall, Dewey Cheatham Howe. We have a rock and roll dance, Big Bad John, um, and many more. One that we're, uh, we were excited to get was White Bliss for this year. Um, but you can visit our website, uh, newvocations.org, and uh, the banner will pop right up. And then you can click on it, and you can see all the available stallions. And as I said, the auction will go through February 12th, and you can bid right online at ongate.com. To get more information about our program, you can visit us at newvocations.org. We are also on Facebook at New Vocations, and we're also on Twitter at New Vocations. I'm also on Twitter at New Vocations Standard and you can learn more about how to donate a horse, how to adopt a horse, how to donate to our program, and learn about the many things that we have going on. Do you want to hear the story of how Jason Bartlett, New England native, came down to New York City in Yonkers Raceway and conquered it all to become the five-time driving champion? This week's episode on the Trotcast with Ryan Macedonio. Welcome back to Post Time with Mike and Mike. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich. And, Mike, I'll tell you, that was a, a lot of fun listening to uh, T.J. Burkett just a little bit ago. But how about the auction going on at New Vocations? Uh, this is yeah. a great, great cause. And uh, I'll tell you, I wish I could be there myself. 
certainly. You could uh, participate at OnGate.com. It's uh, February 8th uh, till 2 p.m. at February 12th. And once again, that's at OnGate.com. And uh, it's the 18th Annual Stallion Auction. New Vocations has uh, done some great things for retired racehorses. And uh, next week we're going to talk to Winnie about some of the horses uh, that they found new homes for. So uh, looking forward to that interview as well. But, Mike, do we have a winner? Yeah, we do. We, we've got about, I'll tell you, within minutes of letting everybody know we had a contest out there, we've got about 15 responses. Uh, we've got multiple correct answers, and uh, obviously it's the first person to get it to us, and so we've got a winner. We'll announce it at the end of the show. All right, that sounds good. Well, you know, a couple of things that I did want to bring up before, and I know we got Brandon Valbo on deck, and, and uh, he'll tell us a little bit more about uh, Bold Eagle's big win, but... Uh, one thing that I want to mention, Mike, and I don't know if you had a chance to uh, to catch this or not. I put it on Facebook. Um, was uh, Roger Houston's race call of trustworthy kid? Now, for those of you that don't know, Boots Dunn, 85 years old, longtime trainer, uh, passed away uh, yesterday morning, um, and his uh, final training win, I guess you could say, with trustworthy kid uh, at the Meadows uh, occurred, and. Roger, I wanted to get that race call, but I was a little pressed for time, so maybe next week we can have that race call for you for, on the show for those of you that didn't hear it. But Roger Houston, put it this way, Mike, we've already got a candidate for race call of the year, and it's only February as far as I'm concerned because it was kind of boat-chilling because Boots Dunhorse came from nowhere, swept up five wide, which is a very tough thing to do at the Meadows. Sweep, swept up five wide at the top of the stretch, and uh, it was like the definition of a power sweep. Just swept right by the group, and it was uh, certainly good to see that. And the emotion in Roger Houston's voice was uh, was bone chilling. And that's you know, Mike, that's why he's one of the best ever because he captures moments like that. And I just want to obviously condolences to the family of Boots Dunn from all of us uh, here at Post Time with Mike and Mike. And uh, it was a really a, a touching uh, race call by Roger Houston. So if you haven't had a chance to hear it. Uh, I believe it was uh, yesterday's – I don't remember the exact race. I want to say the 10th, but I'm not really sure. But it's Trustworthy Kids' victory yesterday. Now, Mike, you mentioned uh, Race Call of the Year. Listen, if you've got nominations now and you want to send them to us, listen, we'll make a list. Because <laughs> uh, I'll tell you what, we, uh, we had, what, a week and a half last time, Mike. So you've got an iron horse, you know, maybe even a race fan, what have you. Feel free to email us at ppmikeandmike at yahoo.com. Uh, we'll be, you know, we'll be making a list uh, all season long. Maybe things that we notice, things that you notice, any great performances at all. Uh, make sure you let us know about it. But uh, Mike, uh, real quick, um, Ronnie Wren Jr. He couldn't wait till Saturday when I was calling the races. He had to do it last night in the last race, win number three thousand. Congratulations to Ronnie Wren Jr. was watching him, uh, you know, in his formative years in Michigan calling races. And just one of those guys that as soon as you saw him in a race bike, you knew he was going to be very, very good. And the sky's the limit for this kid. He's, uh, you know, going uh, tooth and nail with Aaron Merriman, who's been the leading driver at Northfield Park for quite some time. And it's actually fun to watch the, those guys drive. It's like a little bit of a rivalry now between the two. and, and uh, But it's a friendly rivalry. And uh, hats off to Ronnie Wren, 3,000 wins. And I'll tell you what, this is just the tip of the iceberg because Ronnie's got a terrific driving career uh, ahead of him, his future's ahead of him. And we hope to have him on the show next week. One, we, we've been wanting to bring uh, Ronnie Wren on for the last couple of weeks, so I think maybe next week will be the week, of course, if, he's so, uh, if he so graciously allows. Yeah, definitely. Well, 
Uh, Mike, we've got Brandon Valvo on deck. He's going to talk pre-day Amarique, and uh, me and him were able to sit down last night and really dive into this race. Uh, so let's bring Brandon in. Welcome back to Post Time with Mike and Mike. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich. And joining us now is Brandon Valvo, the international correspondent for Harness Racing America. Brandon, I'll tell you what, it was a huge weekend uh, in the in France in the pre-day Amarique. And before we get into Bold Eagle, how about the handle that they raised out there? Oh, as, as always, I mean, the handle was was huge. Uh, uh, Le Trot, the operator of Best Gun Race Course, reported on Twitter on Sunday about 38 million euros or 40 million U.S. dollar handle, so uh, which was an increase from the previous year and about 35,000 people in attendance, uh, another increase from last year. So, I mean, it was a huge success on, on all fronts, really. Now, obviously, we have a few races here where, you know, we can get the crowd, but the handle to support the crowd just isn't there sometimes. Well, that's definitely true. We There are a few events where we can fill the stance up pretty good, but the handle doesn't necessarily follow, and it's, that's totally true. And, uh, you know, they've really, they've really figured out how to, how, to, how to do this so that they can get the handle to follow the crowd. Now... Just so I'm clear, all the racing over there is trots. There are no pacing events, correct? That's right. And it really seems like the crowd gets really pumped. I mean, I watched the race in itself, and I could not believe the amount, first of all, the amount of people, but the amount of cheering that there was in the uh, in the crowd. Yeah, those people, they really get into it, and they really love those horses, I'll tell you. It seems like just about every horse in there has his own dedicated fan club, and these people show up, and they're wearing their their caps and their scarves, and they've got their flags, and you know, for for whichever horse they're supporting, whether it was Bold Eagle or Tomoko or Voltaire de Mert or whoever it was, you know, all these horses have their own group of people who come to support them every race, and they just seems like they're just really passionate. They really love it. Well, let's dive into the race now, Brandon. Uh, obviously, Tomoku went right to the lead, um, and he led you know, a, a pretty good portion of the race. But Bold Eagle just absolutely – I mean, he blew right by Tomoko, uh, and then he fended off all, all challengers. I mean, how good of a trip uh, did he wind up getting? Well, um, he – I wouldn't say he got an easy trip. You know, he was able to get to the lead, and it was over from there, but – I mean, really, when you consider it, he didn't make the lead right away. Like you said, Tomoko went straight to the front, and he did kind of relinquish to Bold Eagle after, um, you know, uh, probably about a quarter of the way into the race. But, you know, Bold Eagle had to make a big three-wide brush uh, to get that lead. And as soon as he took over the lead and they started to make their way towards the backstretch, which goes uphill, by the way. Oh, wow. He, he was put under immediate pressure by last year's champion, Up and Quick. So he didn't get any kind of breather, really. Uh, and then once Up and Quick started to fade as they went into the far turn, uh, uh, another horse tipped off cover. It came to Cap Ferret, tipped right off Up and Quick's helmet and put immediate pressure right back on Bold Eagle. So he had pressure all the way around the racetrack. And turning for home, he had Tomoko, who's you know, a, a sensational racehorse, one of the best trotters in racing, uh, breathing down his neck. And when when his driver pulled the plugs on Bold Eagle, I mean, he just, you know, he had another gear and nobody could go with him. 
I mean, it was really something. Right. Now, uh, tell me, I mean, this was Bold Eagle's first real test at, you know, granted he had faced open uh, horses in his last event and did very well. But this was his first real test against, I mean, some of the world's greatest horses, and he made them all just look like they were, you know, made them all look like they were 10,000 claimers. Yeah, it's it's kind of scary how good this horse is. I mean, this is only his second time facing open company, and uh, his first time facing Tomoko, you know, that was kind of the last big test was, you know, could he handle Tomoko? And, you know, Tomoko obviously had a, had a great shot at him, and he just couldn't get to him. Um, so it's, it's it's really amazing how good this horse is. He's a really, really special horse. He's definitely the best trotter in the world right now, and he has a chance to be uh, a really great horse. Now, obviously, you know, the schedule continues overseas. What do you think would be next for Bold Eagle? I know his connections are being not necessarily cautious with what they do next, but they're they're really taking it easy. They're trying to, you know, pick their spots and really make sure that their horse is ready uh, to compete. Um, yeah, I, in a way, in two weeks, on the 14th, he'll be uh, right back at Bassin, the uh, Prix de France, which is the second leg of the Triple Crown over there. The Prix d'Amérique is the first leg, Prix de France is the next leg, so he'll meet back up with Tomoko and a lot of these horses in there, um, and so they'll get another shot at him, you know, we'll see what happens in there, um, and should he win that, you would have to think that his connections would put him in the third leg of the Triple Crown as well, which is on the 28th, the Prix de Paris, um, and that's a real marathon race. That's a very long race, so um, it would be interesting to see if they have to go in that spot or not. Now, will they see Tomoko in that race, potentially, or some of these other horses, like Up and Quick, or not? maybe not? Um, Tomoko, you could probably expect, you know, quite a few of these horses you would expect them to meet up with. Um, not Up and Quick, unfortunately. He actually came out of the Prix de Marie. Uh, they, did a, they ran a bunch of tests on him, and they discovered that he had actually a fracture in one of the bones in his hip. Um, so he'll be on stall rest for about a month, uh, so he's out of commission for a while. Okay, well, that's definitely uh, that's definitely sorry to hear. I know Up and Quick is, you know, he's really made a uh, name for himself overseas, and uh, he'll definitely be missed. Well, is the, is the Elite Lop, do you think the Elite Lop could potentially be on Bold Eagle's calendar? Um, you know, I, I kind of doubt that they'll take that they'll leave France with him this year. Um, they have a pretty good five year old program, so uh, it's possible, but I wouldn't um, I wouldn't be expecting it. I know his owners are are kind of um, hesitant to commit to that at this point. Um, you know, he's also been handed a, a Breeders' Crown invitation, but I, I I can't see him doing that this year. Um, you know, maybe next year he'll become more of a globe trotter, but uh, this year I would I would think he'd stay mainly in France, but, you know, we would love to see him try. Now, now one last question, Brandon. Uh, we've seen it before overseas where horses can, you know, they breed and they race in the same season. Could you see that happening with Bold Eagle? Obviously, they want to race him, uh, and they've said for years to come. Uh, could you see uh, Could you see some breeding and racing in the future? Um. Yeah, I think he's already doing that actually. Oh, okay. Okay, good. Yeah, I don't know how many I don't know how many mares he's bred, but I'm pretty sure he's um they're already starting that. So, yeah. Definitely that's something they do over there with regularity like it's the same with like Tomoko. He has, you know, he has uh foals that are already, you know, racing, uh and qualifying and racing. So, um definitely something they do over there. 
Now, what is um now when is the next uh, leg of the Triple Crown? Uh, that's on the fourteenth of February. Okay, so February fourteenth, Valentine's Day is the uh, is the next big race uh, overseas. Now, Brandon, tell people where they can see this race. Um, I know you guys at Harness Racing America have done a fantastic job of letting people know where they can watch the race, uh, horse profiles, everything. Tell them uh, where they can find that information at. Yeah, so for sure, like you said, on HarnessRacingAmerica.com, we'll have all that information a couple of days uh, prior to the race and um, on race day. If, you know, if you're having any trouble accessing the video, just let us know and we'll try and hook you up. But um, it'll all be on the website. All right. Well, that's Brandon Valvo, the international uh, correspondent that we've had from Harness Racing America. Brandon, thanks again for joining us, and uh, we're definitely going to have you on again real soon. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. That was Brandon Valvo of Harness Racing America, and uh, we certainly appreciate Brandon taking time out of his day to join us. And uh, we urge each and every one of you to visit HarnessRacingAmerica.com because, uh, like you said in the interview, Mike, they've got uh, terrific information about overseas racing. I mean, horse profiles, replays, you name it, they got it. And uh, check them out. Yeah, definitely. They, uh, they've they got a plethora of information. And if you want to watch the race uh, live, they give you uh, links to watch the races live uh, overseas. So they uh, they definitely have a plethora of information. Uh, well, Mike, uh, looks like we're going into overtime here. Yeah, it certainly does. We have one more commercial break to take, and when we come back, we'll announce the winner of the Tim Tetrick bobblehead. We have had lots of emails. As a matter of fact, I know because I had to go back to the email to search for the show log, and there was about 30 emails that I had to go back. I'm like, where's the show log? <laughs> but we had so many. We certainly appreciate everybody emailing, and uh, we're going to announce the lucky winner of the Tim Tetrick uh, bobblehead when we come back. Also, um, we'll uh, wrap it up and tell you what maybe you can expect next week on this show. You've got Post Time with Mike and Mike. Stick around. Post time with Mike and Mike would like to invite you to join us in positively promoting the sport of harness racing. Our advertising rates are extremely reasonable, and if you sign up for a one-month sponsorship package now, you get one week free. free. That's right, one week free. free. For more information on how you can sponsor Post Time with Mike and Mike, please email us at ptmikeandmike at yahoo.com. Also, follow us on social media on Facebook, Post Time with Mike and Mike. Also on Twitter at PT Mike and Mike One. All right, we're back to wrap up this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, Mike Bozich and Mike Carter. And uh, real quick, Mike, before I turn it over to you, as you're going to be announcing the winner of the Tim Tetrick bobblehead, do want uh, to remind everybody about Essential Touch. When you visit Essential Touch, all you have to do is say that you heard it right here on the Post Time with Mike and Mike show, and you'll get 20% off of your bill. Just like that, it's going to be the easiest money that you're going to make. And believe me, the money that you don't spend you got to consider that money made. So you put 20% right back into your pocket. All you have to do, go to Essential Touch and say, hey, I heard it on post time with Mike and Mike, and right away you get 20% off of your bill. Well, Mike, without further ado, I think it's time, and I wish we still had the drum roll thing in our uh, our repertoire of toys here, but I don't think we do. So without further ado, here's the winner of the Tim Tetrick bobblehead, Mike well, the answer to our question was nine. Tim Tetrick is at 8,991 victories. And the winner of our bobblehead, we had a bunch of correct answers, but the correct answer is, uh, excuse me, the person who wins is Chris Van 
Hadhern. Hope I'm saying that right. Chris Van Hadern is the winner of our Tim Tetrick bobblehead. Um, make sure you send us an email with your address or direct message it to us on Twitter. And uh, congratulations. And we want to thank everybody who played because I'll tell you, Mike, we got a lot of emails. Yeah, we sure do. And we're going to be doing these prize giveaways, uh, you know, throughout the throughout the uh, year on this program. So you never know when we're going to do it. So that means you're just going to have to tune in each and every time, and you could be a lucky winner of some fantastic prizes. I know we have some colors uh, uh, to give away. We also have uh, bobbleheads to give away and some other things as well. Special thanks to uh, Clarissa Coughlin, Friends of Maryland Standard Breads, uh, for supplying us with uh, those giveaway items. And uh, once again, make sure you visit all of our sponsors, because certainly without them, there wouldn't be us. You've got Ryan Macedonio, Fantasy Trot, had a, just an outstanding interview with Jason Bartlett uh, most recently, so make sure you can check him out. He's on SoundCloud. He's on a bunch of different places, also through the Harness Racing Fan Zone. Certainly want to thank the Harness Racing Fan Zone and Allison. They've been huge uh, in, you know, in supporting our show, and, and we certainly appreciate that. All the fine folks at Essential Touch, the fine folks at Friends of Maryland Stand of Breads, uh, the fine folks everywhere that uh you know winnie nemeth i uh, certainly appreciate her for what she's doing we'll have a chance to talk to her next week about some of the horses they found homes for certainly encourage you to you know visit our sponsors online patronize our sponsors because mike without them we wouldn't be here that's true and you know i want to give a special shout out real quick to daily racing form harnesses uh derek givner derek has started to you know he's really you know of course they were take care of press releases and posting them. But there's a link right there on their site to listen to the show. Oh, and it, it, right now it's flashing live. So you can't miss it. And all you got to do is hit play. There's nothing special you got to do. You can listen to it on your phone. And uh, we really appreciate uh, the daily racing form for uh, getting with us and uh, putting our show on. That's right. And you can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. We'll continue to update you on the shows. Um, we don't really know when post time is going to be next week, but the good thing about it is, is you could you could always follow us on the archive. So really, you could listen whenever you like. We're all archived on BlogTalkRadio.com. But uh, we probably will go back to our seven o'clock uh, Eastern post time next week. But that is yet to be determined. But that's why you got to follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook because we we'll keep you up to date. We'll also keep you up to date on the guest list. I know we'd like to have Ronnie Wren Jr. on the show, uh, perhaps Thursday, and. Uh, you know, we'll have to see what uh, he's got going on. Plus, uh, like I said, we'll update you on far as who's going to be on our show on Twitter and Facebook. Well, Mike, this has been a blast. I've had a lot of fun. Why don't you take it home? <laughs> well, Mike, we uh, we certainly appreciate everybody listening. Thanks to all of our guests, Ron Burke, Tim Tietrich, uh, TJ Burkett, and, of course, Brendan Valvo. And uh, we really, really, really appreciate it. Uh, the, all the people who have taken time out to uh, help us get this show together. We'll see you next week. Again, first post is to be determined. It's either going to be at 1 o'clock in the afternoon or 7 o'clock at night. Follow us on social media or check out the United States Trotting Association for more information. See you next week.